Bibles tonight, if you will, please, and turn to the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians, we're going to carry on with our series tonight on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And specifically tonight, we're going to talk a little bit more about the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. And so Galatians chapter number five in your Bibles. We're going to read some scripture and then we're going to pray and jump into the uh, study tonight. And if you would, please pray for uh, Craig and Amy. They had to leave tonight because of a family situation. So anyway, the Lord knows all about that. So you just remember them in your prayers, if you will. Galatians chapter 5 in your Bibles, when you find your place, if you're able to stand, let's all stand tonight. And we're going to begin in verse number 16 and read down through verse number 26, just like we did last Sunday night. Um, Galatians chapter number five and verse number 16. The Bible says this, I say then walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And we sort of focused on that last Sunday night in a big way. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. We'll stop right there for a sake of time. We're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit tonight. You may be seated. And, uh, and we are going to teach tonight. We're just going to sort of give you... A lesson on the fruit of the Spirit, but I, I hope this will be a blessing. I believe it will be a help to you. And so let's go to the Lord and ask the Lord to help us, and we'll pray for the pageants as well tonight. Father, we thank you for your blessings, and it's been such a good day today. God, you've been so good to us, and you always are. Uh, there's not a day when you're not, Lord. You are good. You daily loadeth us with benefits. And Heavenly Father, we thank you for loving us enough to send your only son, Jesus, for us. Thank you for saving our soul. Thank you for giving us of your precious Holy Spirit. And uh, Lord, we thank you that your Holy Spirit changes our life. Father, I pray now that you will uh, bless uh, Brother Craig, Miss Amy. God, you know the needs there. And uh, I, I just pray you'd bless in that and give grace and your blessing and comfort and uh, so many of our folks, Lord, tonight are standing in the need of prayer. As I said just a moment ago, the prayer list is very lengthy right now. And so, Lord, please, please bless. And I pray that you'll bless our discussion tonight. I pray that it will be, I pray that it will honor you, first of all. I pray, Heavenly Father, that it will be a help. And I pray, Heavenly Father, it might even be interesting tonight and that we would be just arrested by the truth of the Word of God. Help us, please, Father. We love you. We praise you. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name, and for his sake we pray, and all God's people said, amen. And we started off last Sunday night by saying this, that one of the attributes of a spirit-filled Christian is that God's Holy Spirit begins bearing his fruit 
through their life. We used Matthew chapter seven and verse number 16 where the Bible says, ye shall know them by their fruits. Um, uh, verse 17 says, even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. And so one of the evidences of being filled with the Spirit of God is that the Holy Spirit is gonna begin to bear his fruit through your life. On the flip side of that, we said that the attributes of a lost person are manifested by the works of the flesh. And so I want to take just a moment before we get into the, uh, the main part of the message. And I really feel like that this is worthy of our attention, worthy of us taking time to do this. And we'll do it very quickly tonight. But I want us to, uh, for a few moments tonight, I want us to look at the works of the flesh and what they are. We read them tonight, but let's, let's break it down just a little bit more and uh, talk about the works of the flesh. So again, I want to reiterate that if you are filled with the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God is going to begin to bear His fruit through your life. But if you are being driven and led by the flesh, the Bible tells us that you're going to have the works of the flesh. They're going to be manifested in your life. Now, what are those? What are the works of the flesh? Well, look at verse 19. The Bible says, now the works of the flesh are manifest. In other words, they come to the surface. They, 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 they work their way out into lives. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Number one, the Bible says, is adultery. And that's interesting. Very, the very first one, top of the list, number one is adultery. Uh, what is adultery? Well, you don't need me to tell you what that is, but I will at least give you a uh, give it to you in a nutshell. The word adultery there means to commit adultery with or to have unlawful intercourse with another man's wife. We would call it cheating or infidelity or having an affair. Um, but I just want us to understand this, that adultery is a work of those given to the flesh. Now, I think that's, I think that's worth pointing out because uh, today, in some ways, it's sort of being celebrated. And it's sort of made out to be like, you know what? It's no big deal. Everybody's doing it. There's nobody that's not doing it. Well, number one, that's a lie. That's absolutely not the case. But if everybody was doing it and God said it's wrong, it's still wrong. And so, uh, so you know what? When somebody is involved in the sin of adultery and then they try to come across as, you know what? I, I am doing this, but I'm spiritual. You know, two and two makes four, Pope's Catholic. I mean, you know, Cubs are probably gonna come in last place this year. I mean, that's just, you know, that's a fact. I mean, there are just, there are some facts. And, and the Bible says that adultery is a, is a work of the flesh. Number two is the word fornication, fornication. Now, what is that? Well, interesting. It really is an interesting word. It is the Greek word porneia, porneia. And so that already gives you a clue, doesn't it? Porneia. We get a word from that in our English language, and it's the word pornography. And, uh, and the word fornication uh, literally just means illicit sexual intercourse. And whenever you see that word illicit, illicit, it simply means illegal. It's something that's illegal in God's sight. Now, it may not be illegal, you know, on Oprah, and it may not be illegal you know, to Congress, uh, it may not be illegal to Hollywood, but who knows that, that what God says is what matters. And God says that in my, in my view and in my word that it is illegal. It's something that is illegal uh, outside of the bounds of marriage. 
And so adultery is a work of the flesh. Fornication is a work of the flesh. Uncleanness, look at that word, uncleanness. Uh, the word uncleanness just, just simply means the impurity of, of, of lustful, luxurious, wasteful living. And so it's the idea of wasting away things, wasting away your testimony, wasting away your finances, wasting your purity, wasting your purity. I thought about that. Uh, hey, young people, did you know you can waste your purity? You can. Don't waste your purity. Man, save your purity. It's one of the dearest things that you possess. Save it. Save it. Don't waste it away. That's the idea of uncleanness. Um, and then the Bible talks about lasciviousness is a work of the flesh. The word lasciviousness just means unbridled lust. It means excess, shamelessness, shamelessness. Again, you know what? All of these things, good night. We're seeing it every day, aren't we? It's in the newspaper. It's on the television. You can't even watch the TV uh, without having a controller in your hand all the time. I mean, uh, you, you know, you don't have to be watching something filthy. Just the commercials are filthy enough. And, uh, and you're embarrassed, I mean, for things to pop up and your kids see that kind of stuff. And we're seeing all these things, I've already mentioned, we're seeing all these things just broadcast. Uh, and, now, and now, you know what, it's not, not enough for them to broadcast them on, uh, on mainstream television and prime time, but now, man, they're trying to introduce all these things into children's uh, movies and Disney and, and all that kind of stuff. And you know what, church, it don't matter if it's uh, Warner Brothers or Disney. If it's wrong, it's wrong, amen, it's just wrong. And, uh, and so lasciviousness is a, a work of the flesh. Then the Bible talks about idolatry, idolatry. Uh, and it means image worship, image worship, literally or figuratively, image worship. In other words, is there something that you bow down to other than God? And there's a lot of people that would say, oh no, no way. I don't bow into anything other than God. But you know what? There's a lot of Christians that are not in church tonight when their church is having church and they know they ought to be there, but the football game was on. And so rather than go to church, they bowed down to the football game or, or, or their favorite program or whatever the case may be. And, uh, and so it's anything that we bow down to other than the Lord is the uh, idea of idolatry. It's a, it's a work of the flesh. Then the Bible talks about witchcraft. You say, you know, Pastor, that's an outdated word. We don't even, we don't even have that in, in, uh, in our world anymore. <laughs> Man, it's probably more prevalent today than it's ever been in our history. But that is also a very interesting word, the word witchcraft in Galatians chapter 5. And if you like to do a word study, and I do, and you know that, but it is, it is the Greek word, listen to this, it is the Greek word pharmakeia, pharmakeia. We get a word from that in our English language. It's the word pharmacy. And the word witchcraft in Galatians chapter five actually means, you can look at this up for yourself, it actually means sorcery or the use of or the administering of drugs is what that means. And so somebody that's involved in drug addiction, somebody that's selling drugs, you know what, that's a work of the flesh. It's a work of the flesh. Well, the Bible talks about hatred. And that word hatred there means hostility or enmity. It, it, it means this, opposed or hostile towards someone if, you're, if you have hostility towards somebody. Um, 
Uh, that's the idea. That, that's a work of the flesh, hatred. Then variance. What is variance, preacher? The word variance means quarrel, a quarrel or a strife or, or debate. Again, the idea is this, that, that if, you are, if you are constantly in that, that mentality of quarreling, uh, debating, arguing, uh, that is not a fruit of the Spirit. That's what the Bible's teaching. You know, the Word of God is so great about giving us a contrast. And so... We, we find here in Galatians chapter five, in just a few moments, we're gonna be getting into the works of the flesh, but before, I'm, I'm sorry, the works, uh, the, the fruit of the spirit, but before we get to the fruit of the spirit, the word of God so wondrously gives us a great contrast here. And it's showing us that the, the, the things that you absolutely don't do if you're led of the spirit of God. Uh, and variance is one of those. You're not gonna be quarreling all the time. You're not gonna be fussing and debating and arguing all the time if you're filled with the Spirit of God. Then the Bible talks about emulations. What is emulations, Pastor? Well, interesting word as well. It's the idea of zeal, <clears throat> but not in a good way. It means zeal when it comes to jealousy or indignation. It's a word that means resentment. You really resent somebody with a lot of zeal. Boy, I resent them. You have to be very careful about that root of bitterness creeping in. And then the Bible talks about wrath. Wrath. It is the Greek word thymus. <clears throat> we get a word from that. It's the word thermos. Uh, some of you probably use one. You go to work. You, you, uh, you don't like to have just one cup of coffee in the morning. You like to have several cups of coffee. And so you take a thermos and you pour that hot coffee in the thermos. And that thermos keeps that that beverage warm or even hot. That's what the Bible's talking about there. It means fierceness or heat. It means anger forthwith boiling up. Uh, you've heard of people that have a, that have a temper, uh, and, uh, people that have a short fuse, and boy, their temper just boils up. Well, this is what the Bible's telling us. That is not a fruit of the Spirit. It is a work of the flesh. You say, preacher, it's just the way I am. Okay. That's why God gave us the church. To reveal to us and to shed light on the things that we need to change. And so for somebody to say, well, that's just the way I am, that's, folks, that's not gonna work. What God is saying is, I'm showing you some things that you need to work on. And if you'll be yielded to the Spirit of God, you'll see these other things. You'll see these things begin to evaporate out of your life and you'll see the fruit of the Spirit begin to, begin to materialize. Then the word strife, and I, I, again, I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going quickly here. The word strife it, it, it means election uh, electioneering. That's a that's a funny word. Electioneering or intriguing for office, and it means this: working to put oneself first. Working to put oneself first. Strife, seditions, is the next word, and it just simply means division. Somebody that stirs up division or causes division. And then heresies. Heresies is, is a work of the flesh. And it means dissensions arising from diversity. Listen, I thought this was interesting. It means dissensions arising from diversity of opinions and aims. In other words, people that allow things that are just opinions. It's not a doctrine. It's not a fundamental. But they allow their opinion to cause division and strife 
Uh, and, and, and the Bible is, is, is saying this, that's a work of the flesh. It's a work of the flesh. And we ought not let, uh, we ought not let that happen. Then envings, the word envings means ill will or jealousy. And then murders, well, murders means what you think it means. It, it means slaughter. It means to kill or to massacre. Uh, drunkenness is the next word, drunkenness. That's also an interesting word. It's the Greek word methi, meth e. And it, it means exactly what you'd think it means. It means an intoxicant, somebody that is driven by an intoxicant, uh, you know, and, and then they want to say, you know, I'm, I'm, I love the Lord and I'm spirit-filled. It's contrary to Scripture. It's a work of the flesh. And then revelings, revelings, and it means carousal. You ever heard of somebody saying we're, just, we're going carousing? Carousal. As if letting loose or rioting or out of control is the idea. Somebody that's just out of control and they just don't care about what anybody thinks or says, don't care about their testimony. Now, the Bible is giving us, again, the, the Bible's giving us a great contrast here. And all of these things are a work of the flesh. And so if you're given, if you're given to some of these things, then it's telling us something. It's telling us that we are not yielding to the Spirit. It's telling us that we are either lost, we're lost, or we have yielded to the flesh and the flesh has, has taken over in our life. And because of that, these things are materializing in our life. And so we're not supposed to do that. We are supposed to, as we talked about last Sunday night, we are supposed to walk in the spirit so we can bear the fruit of the spirit. Now, what is, what is the fruit of the spirit? We're going to talk about that tonight. We're just going to go to the very first one. That's all we're going to give you. What is the fruit of the spirit? Well, how about this? Number one, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Now let's look at it tonight. Look at Galatians chapter five, verse number 22. Right off the bat here, the Bible says, but after seeing all these things that we just talked about, but the fruit of the Spirit is the exact opposite of what we just talked about. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Now, Again, hang in there with me because I think this is going to, I believe it's going to be interesting tonight, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Now, when the Bible mentions love in conjunction with the fruit of the Spirit, it is a very specific type of love that the Bible is talking about here. Now, you say, Pastor, what do you mean when you say a specific type of love? There, there's only one love. Oh, no, no. Uh, there are a, a number of different types of love. And the Bible, when it talks about if we're yielded to the Spirit, the Spirit of God's going to be bearing His fruit through us, and it talks about love, it is a very specific type of love. Now, let me show you tonight several types of love that the Bible uh, talks to us about. Um, first of all, we see the Bible speaks of affectionate love, affectionate love. So uh, I want to show you a few of these at least tonight. So take your Bibles, if you will, and I want you to turn back to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter number 27. Genesis chapter 27, and I want you to look at verse number four with me tonight. Genesis chapter 27 and, uh, and verse number four. So the first one is affectionate love. Genesis 27 verse four. Now this is talking about Isaac, and Isaac is speaking to Jacob here, and, and look what he says in Genesis 27 verse, verse number four. Uh, Isaac says, and make me savory meat, such as I, what's the word? 
loved, such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee before I die. It is the Hebrew word ahab, and it, it just, it, it means this. It is a, a word that means romantic love or familiar love. It means this. It, is, it means that you have great affection for someone or something. That's what it means. Uh, it's, it's the idea of affection. I have affection for something. And this is the kind of love that literally consumes the world today is the love I'm talking about right here off the bat. Uh, it is a very selfish love. I love this person or I love this thing because of the way they make me feel. You know what? They, boy, they just really give me cold chills. They, they make me feel good about myself. And because of that, I, I love them. So it's a, uh, I'm not saying it's not love, but it is, a, it is a shallow love, if I could say it like this. We use this same word when we say something like this. Man, I love ice cream. Now, does that mean you're in love with ice cream? Well, in a way, I guess it does. You know what you're, you know what you're saying? Man, I, I'm affectionate toward ice cream. I mean, I like the way it makes me feel. I mean, man, when I put that butter pecan in my mouth and man, it just, uh, you know, it just stimulates my taste buds and man makes, you know, I just love it. I mean, preacher, I love it. Yours might be something else, but, but uh, uh, people will say, they'll use that word when they'll say something like that. Or they might say this, I love Mexican food. Or I love Chevrolets or Fords or whatever, whatever you say. Now, again, uh, it, is, it is a word that means affectionate, affectionate love. I'm, I'm affectionate of this thing because it does something for me and it makes me feel a certain way and, and, uh, and I love it. So the Bible speaks of affectionate love. But how about this? Number next, the Bible speaks of brotherly love. Turn over to Romans chapter 12 in your Bibles. Romans chapter 12 and look at verse number nine. Romans 12, verse number nine. Again, the Bible speaks of a number, a, a number of different types of love. Uh, first of all, affectionate love. Number two, brotherly love. Romans chapter 12 and verse number nine. The Bible says, let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Look at verse 10. The Bible says, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another. Now, this is not, this is totally different. Totally different word. It's the Greek word, and you've heard this word before. It's the Greek word, Philadelphia. Philadelphia. It's where we get the city of brotherly love. That's why they call it Philadelphia. And so it, it, it's the idea of brotherly love or kindness, Philadelphia. We get words like uh, uh, philanthropy or a philanthropist, somebody that has just, you know, they have tons of money and you know what? They just want to be a blessing to mankind and so they give away millions and millions of dollars. Uh, what is that? It's a brotherly love. Man, I, I just want to, I just want to bless them. I just want to be a blessing to them. And so the Bible talks about affectionate love. The Bible talks about brotherly love, but there's another kind. The Bible talks about friendly love. Now I want to show you this because I think this is a, 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 again, I think this is really interesting and I think this will get your attention. I want you to turn over to the gospel of John tonight, John chapter 21 in your Bibles, John chapter 21. And I want to show you an example of a friendly love. John chapter 21, 
and verse number 15. And the Lord Jesus Christ has uh, been resurrected from the dead and he appears to his disciples and, and they have a meal together. And, and look, if, look, if you will, what happens in John 21 and verse number 15. The Bible says, so when they had died, Jesus saith to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Now, you check that out. When Jesus asked this question to Peter and said, Peter, do you love me? We know here from studying this out that the Lord Jesus Christ used a very deep abiding word for love there. We'll get into that in just a moment. Look, look what happened. Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Do you really love me with a deep abiding love? He saith unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Well, this is interesting. Did you know that word love that Peter used and the word love that Jesus used is two separate words? Amen. And so Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? With a deep, abiding love, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, you know I love you, but it's the word phileo. And it means, Lord, you know I'm fond of you. Lord, you know I'm friendly to you. Let's look at it. Uh, verse number 16, he said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? There again, there's that very strong, deep word for love that the Lord is using. Lovest thou me? He saith to him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Totally different word. It's the word phileo. Lord, I'm fond of you. Lord, I'm friendly to you. He saith unto him, feed my sheep. Look at verse 17, though. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? This time the Lord Jesus flips the tables. And the word lovest there in verse 17 is the word phileo. And he says, Peter, are you just fond of me? And look what the Bible says. Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. So we see an affectionate love, the Bible talks about, a brotherly love, the Bible talks about, and then there's a friendly love that the Bible talks about. But when we get to Galatians chapter five, and I want you to go back to Galatians five tonight, we're almost done, but go to, uh, go to Galatians chapter five, and in Galatians chapter five, this is not the Greek word ahab, it's not the word Philadelphia, and it's definitely not the word phileo, it's a totally different word. When the Bible talks about bearing the fruit of the Spirit, look at it, Galatians five and verse number 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. This is a totally different word, it is the word agape, Agape, and it means, it does mean affection, but it goes a lot further than that. It means benevolence. It means, again, I just, I'm just giving it to you. This is, you know, I'm just giving to you what I study. It means a love feast. Or, and I like this last one, it means a feast of charity. In other words, this agape love the Bible's talking about is an all-encompassing love that demands nothing in return. Now, I believe, we, I believe we have an example of that, and I'm gonna show that to you. So hold your place at Galatians 5, but I want you to turn back to the book of, of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, 
and look at Luke chapter 14. And I understand that this, what I'm getting ready to give you in Luke 14 is usually used as a, uh, in a gospel context. I understand that. But I'm going to show you uh, a biblical example of a love feast or a, uh, a feast of charity. Luke 14, verse 16. Luke 14, verse 16. Then said he unto him, a certain man made a great supper and bade many. And sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I bought a piece of ground and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen. I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither, look at this, and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Well, this is interesting. This man made a great, great feast and he invited everybody. And one of the things we learn here in Luke chapter 14 is this, that he expected nothing in return. Nothing. He just said, listen, go out and get everybody. Bring them in. Man, we're going to feed them. We're going to feast them. We're going to let them enjoy our feast. Well, what, what, what are you going to get out of it? Not a thing. We're just doing it because it's a feast of charity. It's a love feast. We're just doing it because we love people. And so agape love is not like brotherly love. It's not like affectionate love. It's not like friendly love. Agape love is a totally unselfish love where you love without expecting anything in return. We're done, but let me make two statements. The first statement is this. God is a perfect example of agape love. I'll just give this to you. You can jot it down. 1 John 4, 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. The Bible says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Listen to verse 19. We love him. You know why we love him? Because he... First, love does. You know what that means, church? Long before I knew, what to, knew how to praise him, he loved me. When I was lost in my sin, he loved me. When I fail him, he loves me. When I disappoint him, he loves me. When I, when I break his heart, he loves me. When I disobey him, he loves me. And, and long before I can reach out to him, and boy, I'm thankful that I can do that now, but long before I can reach out to him and say, oh, you're wonderful and you're amazing and you're almighty and, and you're great and you're good and you're gracious and you're generous and you're God. And long before I could do that, you know what? God loved me with an agape love. Totally, totally unselfish. Expecting nothing in return. And so God is a perfect example of agape love. But number two, I wrote this down. Agape love is an evidence of genuine salvation. So let's, we're, we're done, but let's look at it together. Look at 1 John 4, right toward the back of your Bible, 1 John 4. 
And look at verse six. Agape love is an evidence of genuine salvation. Somebody that's been born again and they're bearing the fruit of the spirit. Oh, listen, they're not just gonna have brotherly love. Listen, there are people that are lost that have brotherly love. There are people that have never been saved that have a friendly love, but agape love is different. Agape love is a love that's, that, that's a fruit of the Spirit, and, and, and agape love is an evidence of genuine salvation. Look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 6. The Bible says, we are of God. I love the way John talks. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Verse seven, verse seven. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Same chapter, look at verse 20. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, what does your Bible say? He's a liar. For he, he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Hey, listen, we're done. Did you know that this is a telltale sign of a spirit-filled church? A church, listen, a church that grumbles about being a blessing to a missionary is not a spirit-filled church. And by the way, I've not heard one bit of grumbling. A church that grumbles about printing Bibles and sending Bibles to Africa or South America is not a spirit-filled church. A church that grumbles about expanding its outreach is not a spirit-filled church. You see, this is what I'm saying. A spirit-filled Christian and a spirit-filled church wants to be a blessing, wants to help. They desire to be generous. Well, what are we gonna get in return? Nothing. Truth of the matter is, we will get something in return because that's just the way God is. But we ought not do it for that. We ought to do it because we're bearing the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, agape love. Well, why do y'all do that? Why do y'all support all those missionaries around the world? Man, we just love people. We just love them. What, 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 I mean, what are, you, what are you getting from it? <laughs> we're, just, we're getting the blessings of God, but that's not why we do it. And so agape love, again, it is a, a totally unselfish love is May the 28th, May the 28th, 1914. The, the, the ship called the Empress of Ireland set sail from Quebec, Canada and was on its way to Liverpool, England. And then something dreadful happened at 4.30, the Empress of Ireland collided with another ship. And they said this, they said that, that the ship had enough lifeboats. Titanic did not have enough lifeboats, but the Empress of Ireland had enough lifeboats, but not enough preservers. We say, Pastor, they got enough lifeboats. Everything's okay. Yeah, but the ship went down in 14 minutes. And so people didn't have time to, to load up all the lifeboats. And so that day, a thousand people, a thousand people lost their life. Among that thousand people that drowned, 109 of those were Salvation Army officers. They were having a Salvation Army convention of some kind uh, on the ship or going to some type of a destination. And when the ship began to sink, and it did so in just 14 minutes, and people began to, begin to panic because there weren't, weren't enough life preservers and they couldn't get enough people into the, into the lifeboats, uh, they said this, 
uh, as they began to fish all the bodies out of the water, 109 of those were Salvation Army officers. And then people begin to tell the story. And this is what they said about what they called the Salvationist. They said as the ship was going down, they said those Salvation Army Christians took off their life preservers and put on their life preserver on somebody else and then buckled it up and said these words, I can die better than you can. I can die better than you can. And people said they just took off their own life preservers and he put his life preserver on me and saved my life. You say, preacher, what did they get from that? Not a thing. It's called agape love. Totally unselfish. But it is a fruit of the Spirit. And if we're filled with the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God is working in our life, we're going to have that agape love toward other people. Well, let's bow our heads tonight. Father, we love you. I know we've been really teachy this evening. But that's all right. And Lord, I pray that it has made a difference. I pray that it's made sense. Father, I pray that you'd help us not just have that affectionate love. That's a part of life, of being affectionate toward a spouse, being affectionate to our children. I pray that you'd help us not only to have that brotherly love. That's a part of life. We need to have that here at Calvary, a brotherly love. And Lord, not just that friendly love, but, oh, Lord, would you bear that agape love through your people and through this preacher at Calvary. And, Father, help us just to love people, not because of what they can give to us, not because of what they can do for us. But, God, help us just to love them because it's the love of God and it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Lord, tonight, as we close this service, maybe there's somebody you'd lay on, on somebody here tonight, maybe you'd lay somebody on their heart that they need to go out and have an agape love for. Lord, that love is what makes a difference. And so, Lord, tonight, I pray that you would give us that agape love and help us to be people that love totally unselfish. Have your way in this invitation. Speak to hearts, I pray. And we thank you. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. And before, right before we stand tonight, I wonder how many might be here this evening. And uh, you'd say, preacher, if I died tonight, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. And I want you to please pray for me. Is there one anywhere tonight that I could, and I could pray for you? Maybe it's your very first time here. And you'd say, pastor, if I died right now where I'm seated, seated I, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Would you mind, would you pray for me tonight? Would you just pray for me? I'm not gonna come back and get you. I just wanna pray for you. I see a hand. Is there somebody else? Preacher, would you just remember me? If I died, I'm not sure of heaven. Would you pray for me? I see that little hand. Is there somebody else? Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you remember me in your prayers? Anybody else? Anybody else? I see that little hand too. Thank you. Anybody else? Preacher, if I died tonight, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Pray for me tonight. 
I wanna pray for you. Hey, hey, child of God, who is it that you need to show that agape love to? Somebody said, people don't care how much you know until first they know how much you care. And so let's go out of here tonight, Calvary, like a mighty army. And man, let's love this world. I'm not talking about their ways. I'm just saying we need to love this world, love them to Jesus. Let's all stand tonight. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If you raise your hand tonight and you said, preacher, I need to be saved. Hey, why don't you just tiptoe down front and we would love to take a Bible and show you how you can know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven when you die. Will you do that before we leave? If you raised your hand, preacher, I need to be saved. Would you come right now? Just come. Can we introduce you to that agape love, to a God that loves you, to the greatest friend that you'll ever have in your life? Will you come while we wait? So Lord, I thank you. You've been so good today. And Lord, I thank you for speaking to hearts. And Lord, we saw several hands raised tonight. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd work in their life. Lord, I pray that you'd show them their need of a Savior. And Lord, I pray that they would open their heart and life to Christ. And I pray they'd let you come in. Lord, I pray that tonight, Lord, they would accept you as their personal Lord and Savior. Lord, we think about what the Gospel of John tells us in John chapter 1. To as many as received him... To them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And so, Lord, I pray tonight you'd work and save the lost. And, Father, help us. Help us just to determine. I know this was just a simple, simple little message tonight. But, God, I pray you'd help us go out of here determined that we're going to love people, not for what we can get back, not because they love us, not because they talk right to us. Lord, truth matter is we might have to love some folks who curse us. We might have to love some folks who mistreat us. Lord, I pray that you'd give us the love of God and help us to love this lost world of the Lord. Have your way in this invitation, please, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed. Is there anybody else? Listen, you need to come tonight. Pastor, I do need to be saved. Wonderful, come on. Let us help you.